Welcome to this episode of Care You, where we challenge and encourage listeners to be intentional and embed a practice of reflection into your caregiving. It is our intention that the contents of this podcast are accessible and meet you where you are on your caregiving journey in a non-blaming and non-shaming way. Enjoy, Enjoy the, the show. show. Hey, Stephanie. Good morning, Don. How are you? So excited about this episode. Yeah, I thought you were, oh, I am too. I thought you were going to say, we both talk, commented about how we were tired. Getting into February in winter, gloomy, I need some sunshine. Oh, it's I mean, the lack of sunshine has been, uh, there was a little bit yesterday. I need more. Yeah. I was texting with one of my friends this morning just saying like, I am tired. Yeah. So, yep. but I am really excited about this episode. Yeah. You want to tell everybody what, uh, what we're doing? Yeah, today we're going to talk about connections for our kids outside of our relationship with them. Um, and this kind of, we kind of came up with this topic because this article from Stanford was shared with me. And this is really relevant to me as I have a 14-year-old. Um, and then I think it's it will be relevant to those that have younger children because we all will experience this, or many of us will. And then if you are if your child has already surpassed that age, maybe you can reflect back and think, huh, I've I've noticed that too. Yeah. But what this article is titled is the teen brain tunes in less to mom's voice, more to unfamiliar voices. The study found. Hmm. How, how did that make you feel? <laughs> Honestly, I was like, well, that makes sense because not only as a mom, but honestly, as a high school counselor, so many times I had parents tell me, thank you for saying that to my kid because they heard it from you, but we've said the exact same thing. And at the time I didn't know that research, but I experienced it over and over and over. Well, and, and it's funny that you say that because, and I hadn't really thought about this until you said it. For, I was never in a counseling position, but as a teacher, I can remember parent-teacher conferences. Mm -hmm. And I would be like, well, you know, I had to have a conversation with your kid about blank and I told them this and they're like, oh my gosh, we have told them that a hundred times. And I was like, well, actually it's, it's kind of helped. I think since I made, you know, since I pulled them aside and they're like, oh, Thank you. Yes, yes. So <laughs> I just want to share this. So it says around age 13, kids' brains no longer find their mom's voices uniquely rewarding, and they <laughs> tune into unfamiliar voices more, the Stanford School of Medicine found. The research was published in the Journal of Neuroscience, and they used functional MRI brain scans to give a very detailed explanation to how the teen brains begin to separate from their parents. I just think this is fascinating. In infancy, we the kids tune into a mother's voice, and as adolescents, they tune out. It's like we become Charlie Brown. Yeah. We, I'm a mom. I'm like, rah, 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 yeah. rah. That's horrifying, Don. It, and I think it's probably horrifying because that's the age when things start to get kind of real. Yeah. I mean, that's when they are uh, exploring. I, th I think it makes sense to me, though, because that's when we're exploring our independence and what are we going to be like as our own person. Yes. And I don't want to listen to... It's not that I don't want to listen to mom and dad or whomever the caregiver is. It's I'm trying to explore who I am as a person. And so I think that's maybe what's so disconcerting about it is it's not like it's happening when you still have this true locus of control over right. them. I don't know. Did that make sense? It makes total sense. And it is very developmentally appropriate for them to become themselves. Yeah. 
right? And so we, we do know that. A good friend of mine always told me that up until about eighth grade, there's a lot of influence from the home. And then after that, it becomes a lot of influence from peers. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, now that I'm experiencing that, I do see that. And I think this article kind of explains partially why we become less of a, um, a novel voice. And it's like, get they, we need something else. We need to hear from something else. How do other people experience and how do other people guide me? Well, and with my kids being 26 and 31, I and the older I get, my memory, like I'm trying to think about what that was like when our kids were 12, 13, 14 years old. And nothing really stands out other than, and it's not anything serious, but like with my daughter, she's a fairly picky eater. Mm-hmm. And she would go over to our neighbor's house, who, I mean, and our neighbor literally was, you know, 30 feet away and she would come back and say, Oh, Heather fixed blank for supper. And I loved it. And I was like, well, you don't like that here. I don't know. She just did something different with it. And so it's almost that same idea. They're just exploring what others are putting in front of them, whether it's an idea, whether it's a food or whatever. So hilarious. The, the doctor, that the clinical professor of psychiatry and behavioral science stated that as teens, they don't know they're doing this. So like, that's important to note. They're just being themselves. Yeah. They've got friends, they've got new companions they want to spend their, their time with. Their mind is increasingly sensitive and attracted to these unfamiliar voices. And so it was very interesting that we, we found this article, this article was shared with me. I just was like, wow. But then also it was interesting when I shared with you kind of how Aaron and I approached going into junior high and high school years, um, it kind of was related to this, would you think? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I don't mean to, just a little side note, the functional MRI, I want to do that. I know, wouldn't that be so cool? I've always, because I've, and for those people who don't, like, I'm not a doctor, but a functional MRI, usually when you go into an MRI, they're like, it'd be very quiet, and then it does all that banging. And a functional MRI is, we're going to give you a question we're going to, and so the encouragement to you're going to think about things and to just see what part of the brains f- what part of the brain fires based on what question uh, that's just fascinating to it's me like they, they're engaging with some sort of stimuli yeah. so in this case i'm assuming i mean i didn't read the actual study but i'm assuming they had the mom's voice yeah i mean i i kind of want my kid to get in yeah, an i know MRI. i know let's see what that see what that would be like <laughs> so um so let's then move to that kind of what do you, so what? Yeah, like, so what? So what do we do with this knowledge that, um, and, and we're using the study with the mom, I'm going to just generally say caregivers, parents mm-hmm. in general, like what do we do? And so I don't know if now is a time for you to share, like what started this whole thing is you sharing your story. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting and it won't be relevant to everybody, but my husband and I live here without any family. We have very close friends. We have amazing neighbors. Um, I feel very connected as an adult, but when you don't have family for your children, it's different. Um, and we have family, but they don't live here. So what we did was when our oldest was a in about seventh grade. And so that's the time when the cell phone, that's the time when I kind of figured peer influence. Um, We were very intentional to connect and reach out to five adults um, and ask if they would be a 
influence and an intentional influence in his life. And we intend to do that with our other two children. I didn't know this research at the time, but I did know a lot of research on relational health. Okay. And so I'm huge on connectedness, relational health, belonging. Um, and, and I did have the experience as a counselor where everybody told me they don't listen to me anymore. So I guess I had that in the back of my mm -hmm. head. But Aaron and I just reached out to people and said, hey, this is where we're at. And then we also told our kid, hey, we've reached out to these people. You can contact them anytime. And we're not asking them to tell us every everything you say to them, but these are safe people. Um, and I don't even know if he's reached out to them. I, I have no idea. Um, which is actually kind of, it's, it's great, right? So maybe he hasn't done anything with it. Maybe it was just a comfort. Um, but I do think it goes back to this podcast of intentionality, reflecting. And then when I shared my story with you, you shared with me a very different experience. So I don't know if you want to share with our listeners kind of how it was for you and Kathy and your kids' relational health. Yeah. I, would you rather me ask you a question later? You whenever you can ask it. Now. Well, I'm going to ask because you're talking about your oldest son right now. Are they all males? They are actually. Okay. Was that done on purpose or? You know what? Um, not really. Okay. I just, he, he just, yeah, not really. Okay. But maybe I, should we have been in, what do you think about that? Oh, I don't know. I, I just, and I don't even know that I had thought about it until you were telling that story again, that, um. Yeah, I. Maybe I, he needs some females because well, my voice goes. Yeah, rah, yeah, rah, yeah. Rah. <laughs> that's, that's true, but um, hopefully your listeners don't. Our listeners don't think that. Well, that they're maybe over the age of thirteen, yeah. and so. Well, and so our story is a, a, quite a bit different, actually. We had moved to Danville when it was when we were first married. I was first teaching, and we had my son like a year and a half after we were there, and no family. Now, when we say we were so far away, we were two hours. Mm -hmm. I know there are some people who are like, "Uh, yeah." I mean, we're three thousand miles away, but we were two hours away. We'd never been that far away from family, and we started thinking this. Sometimes it was just, oh, we can't go out on a Saturday night because we don't have anybody that we necessarily trust to watch our kid. But then it became, we, I was so close to my grandparents growing mm -hmm. up and our kids are going to, or at that time, our child is going to miss out on that. So we decided after he was 18 months old to move back to the area and we never really had to think about who's going to be somebody in their life that they can go to when they have, they want to get advice beyond what mom and dad are saying. I mean, they were like, they're super close to all, they're lucky enough to have all four grandparents um, still alive. And we never really had to think about that. And we never did it expressly. We never said to our kids, well, no, I shouldn't say that. I, I don't know if we said to our kids, hey, you can always contact grandma and grandpa mm -hmm. if you want to verbalize something, if you want to get advice. I think our parents understood that was kind of their role. They weren't going to always, they, we didn't feel like they had to toe the line. Right. Mom and dad say this, this is what grandparents are going to say. But um, it also makes me 
think about growing up. And I know, what was it, our first episode or second episode with Dr. Smock Mm -hmm. and that idea of, you know, how things have changed. I mean, I think about, I had so many sets of parents Mm -hmm. in my neighborhood and it was nothing for, you know, there was Mr. and Mrs. Ayers and there were Mr. and Mrs. Cowan and um, they, I don't know that I ever went to them specifically for advice, but I always knew they were there. And they probably gave you unsolicited advice. Oh, absolutely. Because that's how the neighborhood used to be. Like you shouldn't do X or you should make sure you walk (laughs) on the sidewalk or, I mean, yep. so it's even actually interesting because as you were talking, I mean, our family, both my husband and I, they only live three hours away, but I think it's so profound when they start, they're involved in anything. And then it's, I was like, oh, who's going to be here? And so now our friends have sort of fulfilled that. Like they come and they support our kids. And But this connection was really just if you need advice or input or want to talk through something. Yeah, and that's the part. Like one of the things that went through my head, and this is kind of that, it was a horrible thing to have to do as a parent. But, you know, when we went on our first vacation without our kids and people were like, do you have a will? Mm. And we're like, "Uh, oh, Okay, and so then you have to give that thought of, okay, who would our kids go to? This is different than that. Yeah. This is, uh, it could be, it could range from the standpoint of your child is at a party where things are happening that they are not comfortable with. Is there somebody that they could call to be a no-judgment zone kind of thing? Or, hey, this is what I'm throwing around in my head. I don't know how my mom and dad are going to feel. Can you help give advice? I mean, it's just... It, the list is, is I, endless. Yeah, yeah, like what classes should I take? Yep. What college should I go to? What sports should I play? Is this um, romantic relationship healthy? I mean, there yep. are so many things. Because what I have found is if they don't have adults, then they, you know who they get advice from? Oh, I'm. they get advice from... The easy answer is they get advice from their friends. Who also don't have experience. Correct. (laughs) Usually they're the same age. And I would say more likely than not, it's also TikTok. Yeah. And Instagram. And I mean, and and those kind of things. um, And that's so interesting that you say that because I'm going to actually dive into that a little bit. I would even say that that's a, that's quote unquote advice but it's not advice. Like it's just comparison. So I should, I'm going to use the example of this homecoming proposal thing. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm so glad I was not part of that. Well, it's, that's where they would see the comparison on social media. Maybe they talk to it about their friends too, but that's like a perfect example. I think if my kids would have asked my grandpa, who's not here anymore about that, (laughs) I would love to know what he would have told them. Like, what are you doing? But it is, they get that, the idea of how we should be doing things from their peers or from the social media. They're, they don't even know those people. Yeah. But, and you know, I think about if somebody would have asked me to be the person, one of the adults in their kids' lives, I think that'd be kind of cool because we we have two more kids coming up well and i was gonna say it's almost (laughs) like i think about that idea of and i don't even know if it's a thing anymore but like the big brother you know what idea 
I did that when I was in Muncie, Indiana, and um, there was one in Peoria for a while, but yeah. I'm honestly not sure if it, if the, it still exists. Big Brothers and Big Sisters? Yeah. Yeah, that was a pretty cool thing to be a part of. I loved it. Well, and I know, like, right now, I have a great nephew that is just, he's the coolest thing ever. What does he call you? Uncle Don. Uncle. Yeah. Right. Um, and so it, that is, like, I could see, I think that's the role I will play in his life. That's what the role I want to play Yeah, is here's this guy that I can go to that, you know, hey, my mom and dad are saying this or, and. My niece and nephew do that to me, all, my older ones. They've done that quite a bit. Um, and it's been such a honor to be a part of their yeah. journey, right? Like as they're getting older. And so I love it. I think it's, it's. You know, relational health is a buffer to stress. It's a buffer to adversity. And if everybody on this that's listening could just be intentional about thinking, how do we um, fill that buffer? How do we make sure that we're intentional about our kids having a buffer? It's not that they have to have 50,000 people. It's the intentionality behind the depth of those relationships and then not being in control of it um, is what I chose and how we chose to do it. Um, and then I get this article and it's like, well, there's neuroscience behind why they're not going to listen to me. For yeah. A while. And, and you are all about neuroscience, which is a great thing. So I think that's a perfect place to leave this. Awesome. I, if you have feedback for us, I would love to hear if anybody has any practices and we could share them with our listeners. So thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Care You and for showing up for the children in your care. Until next time.